copy of the Word of God. And I'm going to read in your hearing, beginning in verse 9 of chapter 5 in, in Luke. Uh, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we bless you and we thank you for what our ears have already heard and our hearts have felt. Now move by your spirit, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. Some time ago, I heard a story as we continue our series, uh, Joining God's Blessing Plan. One of the things we already learned is that God does not bless mess. God does not bless mess. Heard a story some time ago about a man who lived in a very small town. When he was watching TV one evening, he heard the meteorologist say that a massive storm was going to hit their town, and that everyone who could should evacuate. Hearing this, the man thought, I ain't worried. God's got my back. He was a Christian. I will be okay by his stripes. And so as the meteorologist predicted, the rains began to fall, and as it seemed as the, if the water was really uh, getting heavier, the rain, uh, some of his neighbors knocked on his door, and they said, look, uh, would you join us? We, we have, uh, we have uh, SUVs. Uh, we can make it through the rain. We have a place where you can stay with us. Would you come? He said, nope, 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 nope. God's got me. God has got me. As the rain continued to fall, and the waves, the water now becoming waves had reached the top of the man's first level. Police in boats came by and they shouted out on the bullhorn, sir, would you come? You need to escape. The rains are not going to stop. Uh, this is dangerous. We're here to rescue you. And he yelled out the window, no, God has got me. Rains did continue to pour. Not long after the police had left, the water was now covering the top floor of the man's house. He climbed out of the attic onto the roof, and he could see in the sky a helicopter. The police announced, sir, sir, look up. We have dropped a rope in a, in a harness. Wrap the harness around you. We'll lift you up on the rope, and you'll be fine. No, 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 God has got me. The next time you hear from the man, he is in heaven. And he's asking God, why didn't you save me? Why did you allow me to drown? And God said, I tried. He said, you remember when the meteorologist said it was going to rain and you should escape and evacuate? That was me. 
working through the meteorologist. You remember when your neighbors knocked on the door and said they had a place for you to stay and they had these SUVs and they could get you to safety? That was me too. You said no. And, and you remember when the police were in the boats outside and they flashed the light on your window and said, sir, escape now. This may be your last time. And you said no. That was me working through the police. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the helicopter, that helicopter that dropped the rope and, and the harness, that was me too. You did not die because I didn't give you a way of escape. You died because you said no to what you should have said yes to. I want you to know as we continue to consider that God wants to bless us according to his plan. And one of the things that God plans is that he will bless our yes to his word. When you say yes to God's word, you are absolutely completely guaranteed that he will say yes. Turn to somebody and say, say, God will bless your yes. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, God gives a time and eternity sensitive command. Sometimes God will speak to you from his word with a command that is time sensitive for the present and eternal. And the choice that you make will determine your destiny in terms of whether you will experience it or forfeit it. Even though the Lord's command required immediate response at the present time, he gave it as we shall see, to potential disciples. Peter, James, and John, who owned the fishing business, did not know that their decision to say yes or no would determine their purpose and destiny for life. They had no idea. What we discover in verse 4, Jesus gives Simon a simple command. And there may be something that you've been hearing from the Lord, a command, something that he expects you to do. A command is an absolute. It is not conditional. It's not something that you can debate. It is not something that God wants to conference with you about. It is not optional. It is not multiple choice. It is a directive. It is imperative. And so there's some imperatives in the word of God that, that he has spoken to your heart, much like he gives his command to Peter, who is representing Peter, James, and who is representing James and John his partners in business. In verse 4, Jesus gives Simon this commandment. When, you, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, it's real interesting as in the passage, when we first meet the disciple whose name is Simon, later Jesus gives him the name Peter. But Simon has to do with Peter's life before Jesus, his carnal life, his unsaved life, his unregenerate life. And so the scripture, he, he, he said he commanded Simon, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. He gave him a two-part commandment. He said, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. The Lord commanded Simon to do this. And 
He, uh, the call of God, the call of God, as I've already referenced, is time sensitive. There is a time and a season for everything under the sun. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day because the night is coming. When, you'll when no man can work. There's some things that God has called you to do. And if you refuse to seize the moment by saying yes, that window, that season, that opportunity can be forever closed and you will go through this life without having realized it. Now, as we unpack this passage in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, I want you to know that we do not want to play with the commands of God because you're yes, you're yes. Just think about things that you haven't said yes to. And now that you're willing to, one of the things I always wanted to learn how to do, I wanted to be an excellent swimmer. But I said no to swimming lessons. Now, I can swim a little bit, but I ain't trying now. That, that window's closed. We're not doing that now. I remember uh, being in a commercial academic class where they taught you how to type. I said, no, that's for girls. I'm going to show you it's for girls. Every time they told me to type, I tried to break the typewriter. This is in my BC days, y'all. To this day, I regret saying no. I peck. This is how I type. Ain't nobody learning no home row now. What's a home row? <laughs> and so there's some things that God has directed you to do. And you thought you could wait. And God said, that season. That season's over. Now, I want you to consider the place where the Lord gave the command. It was unusual and unexpected. It was an unexpected place to receive the commandment. They, the Bible says that they were at the Lake of Gennesareth. There, there are two other names that are given to this lake, the Lake of Galilee and the Lake of Tiberias, or the Sea of Tiberias, the same lake used different words in different parts of the scripture to describe the same place. Listen to what the scripture says. So it was, in verses 1 and 2, follow me in your word, as the multitude pressed, pressed about him, they crowded him to hear the word of God, that they should buy, that they stood by the lake of Gennesareth, and they saw two boats, standing by the lake, but the fishermen, see the contrast, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. I'm going to ask him to move that fan back just a little bit. It's got me. Amen. You still with me? The Lord commanded Peter to launch, to launch, to launch. Now, What's interesting is that wherever you happen to be, 
grocery store, at your kitchen sink, driving. If the Lord gives you a command, he expects for you to say yes, no matter where you are. Not when you feel like it, but when you understand that the Lord gave the command. I find it interesting that the contrast here says that the crowd that was pressing Jesus, they were at a lake. They weren't in a church. They were at a lake, and they came for a specific purpose. And he said, but the fishermen were, they were away from the crowd, cleaning, mending their nets. And so for the crowd, this was just a place to gather. But for the group of men that Jesus ultimately will make his disciples, this was their place of business. This was their workplace. They were at work. I find it amazing that many examples are set forth in the scriptures where the Lord's call on a person's life that impacts their destiny and generations, even to the fourth generation, were given when people were at their jobs. What's deep about it is that's where we tend to least act like we know Jesus. Noah was working on the ark that God had told him to construct. And the Bible says that he worked on the ark for some 120 years. And as he's completing the ark and he's filling the ark, the word of the Lord came to this man in his workplace. And the Lord said to Noah, get in inside the ark and bring your family, all seven of them. And there were eight now on the ark. But if Noah hadn't said yes to the command to enter into the ark, the rains were coming. If Noah hadn't said yes, that I'm going to build this ark, even though it had never rained on earth before, he would have been lost as all the others who rejected God. He was at work when the Lord spoke to him about becoming the new covenant progenitors of the entire human race. It was just Noah and his eight, Noah and his seven, that began to repop. If he hadn't said yes, God would not have blessed him to be saved from the flood. The midwives in Exodus chapter 2, Pharaoh was afraid that the children of Israel were going to over. Uh, uh, take them because they they were growing in number in in the city of Goshen that the the Pharaoh who knew who knew Joseph had given the Israelites to to live in they were just prospering and so she he gave the edict that every child that a midwife those who assisted women as they were giving birth if it was a boy they were supposed to drown the boy in the Nile River And so in their workplace, as they are delivering these children, they didn't fully understand it. All they knew is that God said, thou shall not kill. And so they obeyed God, and in so doing, by not drowning the male children, Moses was born. I want you to know that God will bless your yes, but sometimes the yes has eternal implications. There may be a Moses in your womb. 
There may be a deliverer in your womb. Moses was heading home for work, the Bible says, the, uh, uh, in the desert of Midian, just minding his own business after 40 years of taking care of sheep as a shepherd. And the Bible says that he saw a bush that was burning, but it wasn't consumed. Out of curiosity, Moses said, let me come along. Get, get, let me get off an, off an I-95 and see what's going on on, on Route 13. I, I see a fire that's, that, that, that's burning, but the, the bush, what I'm seeing, is not being consumed. I can still see the house, but, and the flames are all around the house, but the house ain't burning. So Moses came aside, and the Bible says, in his workplace, God said, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes for the ground upon which you're standing. This is in his workplace. You know what Moses did? He took off his shoes. I, I want, and then the Lord says, here's, what I, here's why I'm here, Moses. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses said, well, who sh- you telling me to go back? Well, who should I say send me? Tell him that I am that I am sent you. Jehovah is sending you. And Moses said, but I, but I, I can't, I can't. And the Lord finally said, but didn't I make your mouth? Didn't I make your hearing? And then Moses finally said, yes. And God blessed his yes. He said, surely I will be with you. So Moses was in his work. David was minding his own business. He was the youngest of, of, of eight boys. The prophet Samuel came and God had chosen to replace Samuel, who had, dis, who had to replace Saul, the first king of Israel, and he had chosen David, who was a teenager. You don't have to be old to get chosen by God. You don't have to be old to be a, lion, a, a giant slayer. You don't have to be old to kill bears and lions. David said, I got a track record here, but he's working in the field as a shepherd to smelly sheep. And all of Jesse's seven boys walk before the prophet. And each time the prophet says, surely it's him, surely it's him. And God says, none of them. Then God said to the prophet, man looks at the outward appearance. But I weigh the heart. Do you have any more children? Jesse wasn't even trying to invite David. David was the least of his sons. I don't know what the nature of the relationship was. Maybe David, I, I don't know why he didn't invite David in. But, but, but the prophet said, we ain't sitting down until I see all of your sons. And David comes in with the smell of sheep. You ever been around sheep? Oh, God. Mm-mm, mm-mm. They used to slaughter sheep on Washington Avenue in Philadelphia. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. So David walks into the place where they're getting ready to eat with the smell of sheep. And the spirit of God came upon the prophet Samuel and said, this is him. And in his stinking work clothes, he was anointed to be the next king. I want you to know that God will command you through his word in your workplace. And if you say yes, I don't know what you feel about your job. I don't know how they treat you at your job. I don't know what your future plans is. But I do know this. If you say yes to God at work, he will bless your. He'll bless your yes. David, David, David. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. When he heard about what was going on in Jerusalem and he prayed, 
Daniel was one of Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon. He was one of his advisors. When a, during the night, Nebuchadnezzar had a troubling dream. In the book of Daniel chapter 2, he couldn't sleep. There was a great giant statue in front of him. And one of the things that was really peculiar about the statue is it had feet that were made of iron and clay. Couldn't figure it out. And all of the astrologers, all of the soothsayers, all of those who worked in witchcraft that were part of Nebuchadnezzar's staff couldn't figure it out. And Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, yo, guys, I'm paying you. You're about to die if you can't get this straightened out. And then somebody said, they came to Daniel's house. What is it? And Daniel said, I don't interpret dreams, but I know the God who does. And God explained to Daniel, the, 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 the four major empires that would exist and reign throughout human history before Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he gave Daniel a panoramic view of eschatology in the workplace. You don't have to be in the church to hear from God. You don't have to be around other Christians. All you need to do is hide the word of God in your heart. And he'll speak to you. Elijah, remember the story of Elijah, who became the successor of Elijah. He was, he was running his father's business when Elijah showed up. And Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha, follow me. The Bible says that he stopped what he was doing while he was working. How do you mean, you know, that God ain't trying to call lazy people? God calls people that are work. He didn't save you from the world so you could sit down. The Apostle Paul was working, pursuing, persecuting Christians. He was on the road heading to Damascus in order to, to capture Christians for, for his religious hierarchy. And, and it was there that the Lord knocked him off his horse. And he found he was surrounded by a bright light. And the Lord said to Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? And he said, who is you? <laughs> and Jesus spoke to him. And he said, I'm sending you to. And Paul said, yes. Blind, scales on his eyes, scared. And the Lord said, I'm going to send you to win the Gentiles. He said yes while he was working. Lydia was a businesswoman in Acts. When the apostle Paul met her, planting the church in chapter 18, and she was very well off and everybody knew her. But it was through Lydia in her job that God started a Bible-centered ministry in the city of Philippi. I want you to know that God is trying to get our attention, but sometimes we're waiting until we get to church. Sometimes we're waiting to sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so. We wait until we get it through our devotion. No, you already got it through your devotion. God just wants you to hear the command where you at work because we're supposed to let our light shine before men so that they what? Wherever you are, see your good works. The crowd was there, but Peter, James, and John were at their place of work. You say, well, I don't work anymore. I'm retired. Well, you're a grandma, ain't you? You're working doing that. Well, I got Christian. I know. Aren't you a husband? You're a wife? You're single? That's your job. To live a set-apart life as a single. To live a set-apart life as a youth in school. And so we see the place was a work environment, a work environment. God will bless your yes 
while you are responding in obedience at work, at work, at work. We can shout in church, ah! You got my praise on that church. Ah! You see me when I shook my leg. Ah! Man, and I, I don't know I could jump that high. I slid in the name of Jesus. I went from one end of the church to the next end of the church, and yeah, I slapped her. What do you mean? You went all that Holy Ghost praising the Lord, and you slapped somebody? Because if what you say you have doesn't work wherever you work, then you don't have it. You got something else, but you don't have the Holy Ghost. So the place was unique and unexpected, but the purpose for the gathering also was unique. The Bible says the multitude pressed. They crowded around Jesus. This is what worries me about people that say they love Jesus. They, they, they ain't like this crowd. They ain't like this crowd. We, we, we want to be entertained. We, well, he said they, they pressed about him because they came to hear the word of God. Where they were, they had no AC. There were no chairs. No bathroom accommodations. As much as I love Don Trey and the keyboard and the drums, and they didn't have no praise and worship team. In fact, it was crowded. I could, I could just sense that people weren't they were perspiring, up, you know, shoulder to shoulder. What could possibly make people inconvenience themselves like that who worked during the week? The Bible says they came to hear the word of God. Now, the question is, what about the word of God should make you want to be inconvenienced so that you're saying yes to be blessed by him? Well, for them, in their coming, they were acknowledging that God had already spoken. They came to hear the word of God. They didn't come to hear Pastor Benson. They didn't even come to hear the prayer. The Bible says that it's through the, the, the foolishness of the preaching of the cross that people are saved. We come to church. Who what did she have on the day? My hat will be higher than hers next week. It's Mother's Day. It's Girls' Day. It's Dog Day. It's Biscuit Day. It's everybody. That's we here for Biscuit Day. They came. <laughs> they were acknowledging that God has already spoken. We want something new. The problem is we don't need anything new because we haven't done what God has already said. We want wisdom about the future. God said, I want you to do what I already said before I tell you anything else so you don't mess up that too. Listen, here's the job of the preacher and the teachers who proclaim the word of God. This is what we do. Here's what Peter says. Oh, I love what he says. And I'll give you the scripture in a minute. He says, uh, uh, as he's on death row, he says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent, the tent of this body, because I know that I will be soon put aside 
And our Lord Jesus Christ had made it clear with me. He said, I make every effort to see that after my departure that you will always be able to remember these things. I want you to understand the reason the church has drifted away from the centrality of the word of God into politics is because we have forgotten these things. The truth of the word that is, that is found in the scriptures, Paul says, or Peter says, my job as a pastor is to remind you so that you won't ever forget. Here's the beautiful thing. You may know John 3.16, but the more you study it, the more you realize you don't know it. The word is so simple that the foolish can understand it, but it's so deep that the wisest of the wise will never comprehend it to this side of heaven. My job is to remind you. So they, they came standing in the heat. They came standing without seats and not knowing how long they were going to be and if anybody was going to show, show some fish and chips. None of that was promised because they knew that God had already spoken. They didn't come to hear some new thing. They came to hear what God has already said. Somebody say amen. They also were acknowledging their desperation for the word. How desperate are you for the word? The Bible says that when you are righteous, you will hunger for the truth. As newborn babes, you will desire the pure milk of the word. Paul says, we did not come to you with persuasive word. We didn't come, and come to trick you or to, to tickle you or to make you like us. We came to you in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit that is activated whenever the word is preached. They acknowledge desperation. Are you desperate for the word? Do you like, love the word of God? I remember when I first became a Christian. Oh, I, I didn't love the word of God. I didn't even... I thought it was a book written by white men to enslave the minds of blacks. That's what I, that was my excuse. <laughs> and so I finally decided, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to learn what the Bible says. I started in Genesis. I got as far as chapter 5. And he died, and she died, and they died. And I said, oh, Lord, this is, this is, this is depressing. <laughs> so I said, well, let me start in the middle of the Bible. And I got into the middle of Ezekiel's will. And I just shut it. The problem was... Just like a baby needs to be taught to feed itself, nobody had taught me how to study. But when I learned how to sit at the word of God, like Paul says, be, he says, study to show yourself approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, cutting straight God. When I learned how to cut straight, when I learned how to sit at God's banquet table and open up his word, nothing could satisfy like this word. A baby can, can cry and scream, and a mother knows if the baby's tired, if the baby's angry, if they're teething. She also knows when that baby's hungry. One of the things that happens when a baby is hungry is a mother's breast will begin to lactate. And it don't matter how much milk that mother's breast produces. If that little crumb snatcher won't put his mouth up against that breast to nourish itself, guess what it's going to do? We found out about that when we don't, have, we don't have any baby formula in this country. Moms say, well, maybe I should have if you could. Some, some moms can't, but if you can. But my point is that you have to apply your mouth to the breast of the word of God so that you will get the nourishment that you need to grow thereby. 
They were desperate. When you learn how good the word is, he said, taste and see that the Lord's word is good. You, 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 you can't wait to get the Bible study because faith comes. Oh, so they, they also acknowledge a desperation and they got already. They were also acknowledging the origin of the word. They came to hear whose word? The word of God. The scriptures come from God. The Bible says that all scripture is theonumatos. Breathe, comes from the very mouth, the breath of God. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and instruction and correction and righteousness that the men and the women of God may be thoroughly and adequately trained unto all good works. The word of God originates from his mouth. That's why they came. They wanted to hear the word of God. They acknowledge the authority of the word of God. The word of God has authority over all that we believe and all that we do. So when you talk to people, they say they're Christians. And they say, well, God said it is not good that men should sleep alone. I actually had a sister say, God told her that. It is not good that men should sleep alone. I said, when you talk to him again, tell him to show you that in the Bible. He ain't going to find no scripture that says that man shall not sleep alone. Well, the scripture says if you take one step, he'll take two. You ain't going to find that either. I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain, trying to make heaven. I ain't no way in the scripture tell you to climb up no rough side, no mountain, make heaven your home. <laughs> you just climbing, you're going to end up still in the wrong place. I kept on searching. I kept on searching. Kept on searching. We loved you. Well, we could get on that one. God ain't lost. We are. <laughs> and so the final authority when a husband is trying to lead his, his wife and family as a priest of your home, you, it's not because you're bigger and smarter and you make more money. It's because thus saith the Lord. What does the Lord say about what you're talking about? And if you're a Christian, if God said it, that settles it. The question is, we talking about everything but the, but the word. Your words and my words have no authority. But God's word. God's word is true. God's word has been tested and will never fail. Isaiah said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will re ne never return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper wherever I send it. God's word will never fail. It's been tested and tried. God's word is timeless. Jesus said, before one jot or tittle of the word of God, before the smallest of punctuation, before a comma or dash is removed, all of earth and heaven will fail first. The word is timeless. The word is also transformational. When the word gets on the inside, it changes you from the inside out. Let me run on. Oh, let me run on. It also, here's the one I like. The word of God is not only timeless and transformational, changes you from the inside out, but it is triumphant. When you get a chance in 2 Peter chapter 2, 3, Peter speaking to, he said, in the end times there will be scoffers who mock and say, where is his return? 
We've been talking about Jesus coming back. Where is he? And then Peter says, remember that the word that they are scoffing is the same word that God spoke, and that which didn't exist came into existence. God spoke the world into existence by his word. And he said, the same God who spoke the word that said, let there be, and it was, spoke again, and he says, I am destroying man from the face of the earth. He spoke again, and he destroyed the entire earth with a flood just by the word of his mouth. And then, he, then Peter says, that same word is preserving all of creation for the day of divine judgment because this word that is triumphant is the very word that God is going to, the books of life are going to be, God is going to judge us by his word. God's word is like a, a return boomerang. You know, you throw a boomerang, and it, and it goes linear, but then it returns and comes back. If you ain't paying attention, it'll knock you in your head. God's word is like a return boomerang. He created the world. He destroyed the world, and it's coming right back again to destroy the world by fire again and to recreate a new heaven and a new earth. It's a return boomerang, y'all. The purpose they came for was to hear the word. Are you here today to hear the word? To really hear the word, being a hearer of the word, means that you are intending to be a doer because faith without works. Let me run on. Let me run on. We're going to finish with this, the perplexing command, the confusing command. So we saw the place. We saw the purpose. Now the perplexing command. Here's the command. Jesus said, cast, launch out to the deep. Cast your nets into the water for a catch. What makes it confusing is Peter and his partners had been working all night trying to catch fish. Now, think about that. You've been working a, a, one of those 12-hour shifts. Now you come back, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't accomplish anything at all, out of all those hours. You're exhausted. You're getting out of your work clothes. You're getting ready to go home and knock out. And Jesus' command, get back in the boat. Take the same nets that you caught nothing with and throw them over. That's perplexing. A, a lot of times what God commands us to do makes no sense. If they hit you in one cheek, turn the other. Okay. That wasn't literal. That was figurative. Because if you hit me, I'm going to duck before you get me. And somebody's going down, and I don't plan for it to be me. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. So we see the command. It was perplexing. Now, why we struggle with God's command is because of past failures. Peter said, we already did that. Think about the commands that God gives you. And you obeyed it, but it didn't happen like you thought it was going to happen. We've been fishing all night. We caught nothing. So your past fell. I've been trying to be a good wife. I've been trying to be a good husband. I went to seminars. I listened to CDs. I've done it all. And I failed. It hasn't worked. I, 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 I've been trying to get this promotion, trying to get this house, trying to have a better relationship with my friends and my family, my children. So past failures can perplex you about the promises of God. Also, present fatigue. He said, we've been toiling all night. Anybody tired? Anybody tired? 
The word toil means to work to the point of total exhaustion. We have nothing left. I'm done with this. This relationship is dead. By now, it stinketh, Lord. You talking about go back to the tomb. Lord, I am just wiped out. I mean, we, I mean so we just need to sometime come to church, just have a scream session. Every time you think COVID is over, that bad boy resurrects again. Uh, COVID is here. You thought you got, now we got monkeypox. I just, I, I just want to laugh. Monkeypox. I'm going down to the gas station with my little car and pumping gas in the tank. And like, what, $60? Oh, my goodness. My wife brought me my little snack. I said, don't buy me my snack no more. <laughs> Present fatigue. I want you to know we have COVID craziness. Kids are just taking, just killing themselves and letting themselves do anything their minds tell them to do. Going into stores and gunning down innocent people coming from church. We're tired every time you listen. I hear so many people say, I don't even watch the news. <laughs> That's why we're in the predicament we're in. You better pay attention. Present fatigue. Are you tired? We're tired. Some people say, oh, I would come back to church, but I'm just me. I'm exhausted. So the past failure didn't work before, and present fatigue, and then future fears. The Bible says they were cleaning their nets and mending them. The fear was the nets are our livelihood. If we try it again, the same nets that we're fixing, maybe they break this time. If I try to trust again, Lord, my heart's going to be broken again. If I try again, Lord, I'm going to be disappointed again. If I try again, Lord, it may kill me this time. If I try again, Lord, I might lose my mind this time. If I trust you with my tithes during inflation, Lord, maybe I won't be able to pay my bills. So we're afraid of the future. When God commands us to do something in the present, but what we don't understand is that your present yes will determine your future destiny, your future destiny. Here's what the Lord did. Peter said, here's how Peter did it. He said, Lord, we tired, but nevertheless. Somebody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Oh, say it like you mean it. Nevertheless. Yeah, because you said it, Lord. We will launch out to the deep. We will do what makes no sense to us because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence that, oh, God, we're going to step out on faith right now. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I know you told me to tie. I don't know how we're going to do this, but you told us to build a house. So you know, I'm going to step out. And when they cast their nets out, the Bible said they had so many fish that their boat began to sink. And so what God does to our yes, he blesses it by releasing supernatural power right in the present. The fish, there were so many fish that the boat was beginning to sink, they had to call for help. He will bless you beyond what you can ask or even imagine to ask if you say yes. What are you saying to know to God about? What are you withholding from God? Not only will he release supernatural power of the miraculous in the visible, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the outwardly, 
but he released an internal greater miracle. Peter said, he, Peter, the Bible said he fell on his face in front of Jesus. He said, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy. He, what happened, because he said yes to the Lord, the Lord revealed who he really was that Peter didn't fully understand. He revealed himself as both God and man. That's why Peter fell on his face and worshiped him. What happens when you say yes, the Lord will reveal to you things about himself that others don't know. Oh, how do you know? He said, because eyes haven't seen, nor ears have heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men. For those who will believe me, if you trust him with your yes, he will begin to have, he will come in and sup with you in ways that will blow your mind. Here's the final thing. Here's what he did. I'm almost done, y'all. He revealed himself to them inwardly, but he also relaunched their lives. Say relaunch. He said, you guys used to be fishermen because you said yes. That's changing. Your yes determined whether or not you were going to be a part of a ministry that would change people for eternity. You will become fishers of men. Don't miss this. There, yes, that thing that you're saying no to may be the very same thing that is blocking you from what the Lord wants to release, to relaunch you by saying, you were thinking about that job. I had something far better. What the disciples were able to do with the relaunch of their life because they said yes to the Lord's word, they became the first of the 12 disciples. They became the first of those who would reach the world for Jesus. You can release your destiny and your purpose if you would simply begin to say yes to the Lord for his will in your life as it is revealed through his word. If you don't say yes, he won't say to you, you aren't going to do that anymore. You will continue to do that because I'm not going to relaunch you to do this because I can't trust you. I can't trust you. Stand with me. The Lord will bless your yes, even when it makes no sense. I keep saying to these young men, you don't have the gift of singing noise. God's word says, get married. That's, so the question is, will you say yes? I ain't telling you to get married and you're broke and you can't take care of nobody. What I'm saying is, just like Adam got prepared by God when God provided him a home and a salary and a job, you need to be preparing as if you're going to get married. People think, well, if I just get all this out of me now when I finally settle down. No, you're preparing for marriage now by how you're living. It won't be easier to be faithful. It will be harder. Well, I love the Lord, and I'm really trying to grow. Why don't you come to Bible study? Why aren't you in Christ strong? Why don't you show up for, when you hunger and thirst for the word, you're going to be here. Oh, my goodness. I, would, I was always on the front row. You weren't getting me up. I wasn't trying to be seen. I didn't care who was coming to the back door. I just wanted to be fed. I was driving to church, and I heard a song. 
And Father, open our eyes. Deacon Johnson remembers that. And I remembered how I would sing it in my backyard. I wasn't even sure I was a Christian, but I, could, I would sing that song. And where our yard was, I didn't know. You could hear me singing probably blocks from blocks on end. I was just singing. I could sing back then. I, I mean, I would sing. And my mother never said anything. I was different. I've been different for a long time when I didn't know I was different. And I just remembered how she blessed me. My mother blessed me. Got her nickels together, made sure I went to college. Remember, she got on her first plane to come and see me graduate from seminary. My mother wasn't getting off the ground for nobody. She blessed me. And I thought as I sat in the car about decisions I made that prevented me from ever blessing my mother the way I would love to bless her today. If I had said yes to the Lord when God was commanding me to do what I wasn't receptive to doing, what would I give to bless my mother today? I'm not saying I was a disappointment to her. No, no. I wanted to bless her. I would have loved to brought a house for my mother and to just wine and dine her, just make her know how much I, I didn't have the focus to even know. I want you to understand that there's some things that God wants you to do that you're going to miss because you're not saying yes. Stop saying no to God's word and will for your life because that window will close and the opportunity will be gone. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that you are allowing us another opportunity to say yes.